Hello, and welcome to episode 95 of Constructed Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, I have an interview with LK, Joel, and Abby. They are the team behind Home Hunting Apocalypse Edition, featured in the Cthulhu is Hard Spell Terrible 2, coming to Kickstarter March 3rd, 2020. Uh, okay, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, why don't you start us off first with a little bit of bio about yourself and uh, this, what you do with this comic. Sure, uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. I'm uh, Leanne Danielle and Gino, and I write under LK and Gino. Um, so I've been writing speculative fiction for a while now, and I, I don't like staying with one genre, so that's kind of a little bit about, about me. Uh, I have an odd sense of humor. It's sometimes dark, sometimes punny, and I think that comes through in the writing. Uh, so with this story, that's kind of where I was going with the comic was put a little bit of humor into the apocalypse, a uh, little bit of ridiculousness with, you know, we have this reality show going on among the apocalypse and the homes are literally falling down around the people who are trying to find a place. Very cool. And Joel, uh, how about you? A little bio about yourself and, uh, and, the, and your role in the comic. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Matt. I am Joel Rodriguez. I am the co-founder of Metal Ninja Studios, which is a comic book production and publication studio out of Orlando, Florida. And I am the letterer for Home Hunting Apocalypse Edition. I was approached by Abby to help out with the lettering after providing my own story to the Cthulhu anthology called Behold the Almighty. And I'm honored to be here. I'm glad that they wanted to bring me on board. Very cool. And Abby, uh, uh, how about uh, how about a little bio for you? And uh, you're 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 the artist on this book or this comic, correct? Yes, um, I am a uh, I'm a freelance illustrator, but um, I reached out to Leanne uh, when she was looking for a, um, a a digital artist because I kind of wanted to expand a little bit on my. Uh, on, on my skills in that. Um, and I thought it would be fun to, to work on something that was a little bit out of my element. I'm actually mostly a fantasy artist, mm -hmm. um, but kind of reaching out into horror, um, I thought would be a fun stretching of legs. Very cool. So, um, okay, you mentioned a little bit about the, the, the premise of this story, but could, you, uh, could the three of you sort of expand on, on that a little bit for me? Sure, yeah. Um... So we decided to not use a particular god in this story and just kind of go with this is the apocalypse and this is where it's focused on the destruction that the old gods have wrought. Um, but you know, there's still people alive in the apocalypse uh, and they need a place to stay and get away from the chaos and the monsters. But that's kind of hard as you know, everything is falling to pieces and there's monsters everywhere. Um, it has a little, I'm not sure I would call it a twist ending, a little fun ending. Uh, there, so you know, I just wanted to bring a little bit of humor to to that world and what's going on, and um, you know, just kind of poke a little little fun fun there. Very cool. So, did you have the 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 sort of the kernel of the idea of like uh, uh, the apocalypse and a reality TV show, or, or or you know, it being covered on TV? Was that something that you had for a while, or is that something that you sort of came up when you saw the the anthology? Um, and then and, and, and form the story around that? Well, we kind of started with a different idea, and but there was already a reality show element in it, mm -hmm. uh, and then that evolved into the current version. So 
when I saw the anthology, I didn't have anything in mind, but when I saw it, I was like, wow, this looks really cool. This is something I want to get in on. So I just kind of started, you know, brainstorming, coming up with different things that, that might fit. Okay. And, and Joel, you, um, you worked as the, the letterer. Did you have any, uh, uh, did you help out any with the, 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 the writing or the structure or were you just strictly the, the letterer on this, this story? Um, I was brought in relatively late into the project and I, by the time it came to me, pretty much everything was done. It had gone through the editorial shifts. They had a pretty solid project by the time it came to me. Mm-hmm. So I just took it the final step and put the words on the page. Awesome. And so Abby, the, the, the art here, you, did you say that you um, recently transitioned to digital or you'd been working digital for, for a while? I've actually been um, doing digital artwork since I was in my teens, Um, really doing doing like an actual full on project with other people. This is probably one of my first times digitally working, um, working like this. Okay. And so Abby and LK, how much uh, back and forth did you guys have um, taking the story um, from from a script and and getting it down to pages? Were you guys in communication a lot at the different various stages of the production yeah i'd say so we were in communication a lot this is my first comic too so it was kind of new for both of us in that aspect and i've not yet written written a full film script but i'm working on it so the comic um scripting that's kind of where i started and then i realized that i needed um a different flow for the comic Mm -hmm. yeah she um she sent me a lot of her scripts and it was um it, it was interesting to kind of to, to have that back and forth with her and, and with both of us learning on how um, and what would work best for us um, because it changed so much too. Um, and I mean, we had, we had Russell helping us out quite a bit with it and, and Chris, um, but it, it was, it was an interesting back and forth. Um, we, we didn't know each other very well when we started. So it, it was cool to, to kind of learn about each other through how we worked. Awesome. And okay, um, you know, working with a with a screenplay before, I know that like a lot of times uh, we, we've had folks in the past that have maybe started off with hopes of, you know, doing screenplays or, um, you know, things didn't work out and they've, they've turned things to comics or they've gotten excited about comics and they, they've gone to comics. And I know with screenplays, a lot of times, I think the sort of the industry standard is like, one page of a, a screenplay equals like one minute of, of film time. Um, were there any challenges you had um, going from like working with screenplays to, to working with comics with like page turns and, and, and panel counts? Yeah, it was really interesting because um, I had to start counting out the panels and think of what, you know, how is this going to flow? And I was a little worried at some point. So I was like, is this, are there too many things going on on this page? Uh, and it is that way where it's, you know, one page is one minute, roughly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I realized something that I did not have to fill a whole page. Uh, page one of the document could be much shorter for the comic than it would be, you know, for the script. Um, at least in our case, that's how it turned out. My page one was not completely full. 
And uh, Abby, uh, you know, this being the first time you you worked with uh, with LK, uh, what was it like the first time you you sat down with with the script? Were you uh, were you were you able to to start thumbnailing some ideas out there, or did you sort of have to process process it for a while? Um, the first the first couple of things that she sent me, not even the first couple, like the first thing that she sent me was um, really written not uh, kind of as a script but um you know we we didn't we didn't know each other too well and we were i i like super excited about the the project so she was kind of like going through her beginning processes on it i think um but really it um it didn't take too long to to get to where it was easy for me to go from her script to some family so right. it was it was pretty quick honestly it was pretty easy that's 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 awesome and joel what uh what program are you do you use to to letter in i use uh adobe illustrator and indesign uh using those two together illustrator more so for the lettering and then indesign to put everything together for the uh final production and uh do you have any uh do you have any training in that or are you sort of uh self-taught um I don't have any formal training. However, I've taken a lot of online classes for typography and graphic design, things of that nature. Okay. And you yourself are a, a, a comics creator who does things outside of the realm of, of lettering. Um, yeah. So, do you, uh, and I, forgive me if I heard this wrong, but do you have a, a story in here where you acted in another capacity? Yeah, I have a four-page story in the anthology called Behold the Almighty, which I um, I am the writer and letterer for, and I collaborated with an artist, Roman Gubski, who's the artist for my primary series, The Dust County Chronicles. Mm -hmm. And it's a story about two teenagers that stumble into an old museum, and they learn that very um, chaotic and monstrous things dwell in the basement. So it's got more of a horror feel from the beginning, but more of a comedic twist ending. And that was a challenge for me because the Dust County Chronicles is more of a straight up horror series. Mm -hmm. So adding the comedy element to it was a really fun challenge that I wanted to bring to this. Yeah. And so for that one, you said that you, you worked with uh, an artist that you work with on your primary book. Um, yeah. So you guys probably have a pretty decent uh, workflow going on and a pretty good uh, understanding of, you know, turning over the scripts and, 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 and getting art back there. Yeah, we actually just finished up the third Dust County book, which is called The Dust County Chronicles Nightfall Number One. It's actually going to be launching on Kickstarter in a couple of days on the 25th. Okay. And with that being the third full comic that we've worked on together, knocking out a four-page story like this tends to go relatively simple because we've um, gotten past all the growing pains of figuring out how each other works and best ways to communicate, things like that. Okay, and Joe, one more question for you, and then we'll we'll bring in the rest of the team. Um, okay. What were some of the challenges you had? Um, have you worked with a shorter anthology story before, or, or was this one of the the first time, or one of the first times that you've had to do a shorter four page sort of self contained story? Um, 
That's kind of a funny question, more so because the Dust County Chronicles, the first two issues of which were self-contained short stories. They were a minimum of five pages, a maximum of seven, uh, four stories per issue. So although I hadn't worked on an anthology of this magnitude, 100 100 plus pages with I think the total count is 70 plus creators, Mm -hmm. um, although I hadn't worked on something to that scale, my primary series up until this point has been short stories. Okay. All right. So uh, back to, to every member of the team. LK, you said uh, early in your bio that you mostly worked in sort of like, uh, I guess, maybe long form uh, speculative fiction. Uh, is that correct? Uh, more short stories right now, sure. although I have a couple of, you know, in progress novels like as most of us, <laughs> as many writers do. <laughs> sure. Um, so what were some of the challenges um, you had, uh, you know, having to be maybe a little bit more precise and uh, self-contained um, with, with a short anthology story that you would not have in, say, a short story or, or a novella where you could go into, you know, more explanation, more, more description, maybe a little bit more backstory? What were the, some of the challenges you had there? Yeah. Uh, I actually really enjoy the short form and um, I think it's a great practice in editing and making sure that every word really matters, Mm -hmm. but it was different doing it like, okay, I only have six pages um, and I've started to do more since this comic uh, being the first one that I've worked on, started to do more research on the page and uh, recommendations as to how many words you can actually, you should have in a bubble so it, it was, let's see, what was the challenge there? It was... Um, Maybe just more, um, like you said, uh, you, you figured out the, the amount of, of words to fit sort of like on a page. Uh, another question for you, and this is, I know for myself and a, a few other writers that I talk, mm-hmm. did you have the problem of maybe putting uh, too many panels uh, on a page? Yes, yeah, I I was concerned about that, and I think there was a point where uh, Abby said, you know, that we <laughs> we we would have to move a panel or cut a panel, and um, with her doing the art, I was like, you know, I'm cool with that. If you think that that's, you know, if we need to move this stuff around, um, to make this work, since this was kind of our, you know, first collaboration and first comic. Sure. So, Abby, were there any uh, monster pages you got with like 13, 15 panels in there that you had to say, hey, maybe we we take this down to a more manageable, you know, seven or eight uh, panels? Um, I don't I don't think it ever got that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's pretty good about keeping it, you know, six, six panels. But there were some of them that were like, you know, you need to have this this panel be a little bit bigger. This one will be a little bit smaller. Um, really, more I think the challenge was um, was moving or setting it up so that the dialogue wasn't um, taking over mm-hmm. the panels um, or b- being able to to make it so it translated well if the con- if the conversation was going to continue from panel to panel. Um, there were, I think there was maybe one page where I had to remove a panel, but for the most part, it, it, it wasn't too major of a deal. Um, really, it was, it was the dialogue and figuring out how to fit it and have it look good, so. Cool. Um, 
So uh, I know that Abby, you said earlier that you 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 work mostly in in fantasy, and you guys didn't necessarily pick out any of the the Lovecraftian um, elder gods or anybody. You sort of went with more of like a uh, uh, you know end of the world situation. Um, did you was there anything you looked to for for reference? Any any movies? Any any you know Google images searches that you use to try to figure out how you wanted to to represent the the, you know, the, the apocalypse, the, the, the end of the world coming? Um, we actually did start out with kind of an elder God kind of idea. Um, she had, she had one all planned out that we ended up, we ended up having to, or she ended up having to rewrite mm -hmm. pretty much the entire thing. Um, so, but we, so we did start out with, um, an elder God idea. Um, I, to, to, to kind of do that concept, I definitely spent a lot of time on Pinterest and um, reading things and talking to people. Um, I also uh, kind of got lucky, my, my, uh, my boyfriend um, had managed to, to get a hold of a couple of video games, um, the Sinking City, uh, Man of Medan type things that were, that are, are ocean based, you know, kind of, kind of that, that feeling at least, um, mm -hmm. and, and dealing with those actually. And actually, I think he actually threw on a couple of uh, podcasts too that we listened to. So, um, you know, there was a lot of different things that I did in kind of researching for designing that character that we ended up not using <laughs> for the most part, but it, it was still, it was still a cool process to go through, um, to, to do that research. Okay. And, uh, Okay, do you have a favorite sort of uh, end of the world story, apocalypse story that uh, may have been uh, inspiration to, to your story? Um, I don't have a favorite. Um, I do know that what I did see of uh, the game Sinking City um, was, was cool because it, it, it gave me really a, a gritty, like, gross. <laughs> um feeling to work with when i was when i was kind of working on designs and trying to get a color scheme even um that 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 really helped me out uh very cool and uh so uh, as we bring this uh interview to to a close is uh is there any like uh the, since the team seems like it worked really well do you guys have any uh any ideas or you know or projects you might uh, get together on in the in the future? Yeah, I'm working on a little um, uh, horror haiku book as a uh, download. With Abby is doing some illustrations for that. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, and then beyond that, I haven't gone into discussion about anything else. But I have you know tons of ideas oh, yeah. floating around in my bag. Uh, I'm awesome. working on concepts for a uh, for something else for you that we, I can't remember what the story was. Uh, a little fantasy thing though, the witch. Oh yeah, that's right. <sighs> I'm having a ranking <laughs> moment. <laughs> no, we submitted to another <laughs> anthology, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're waiting to hear back on that though. Oh, well, well, good luck, but it's also awesome to hear that this, this, uh, this project here works so well that you guys wanted to keep, uh, keep working uh, in, the, in the future. Um, so uh, I want to bring Joel in one last time. Uh, Joel, um, were yeah. you when you were doing the the lettering for this book? I know that uh, they 
you, you came into the project late, um, but what were some of your impressions when you first, uh, you know, first read the script or, or saw some of the art coming in? Um, well, the first thing that I saw, Russell sent me a page as a sample, and I believe Abby did as well. <laughs> and one thing that I noticed right away was how whimsical and how fun the art style was. So I knew right away that I wanted to chip in any way that I could because it's outside of my normal realm. Uh, so I love the art style. And then just reading through the story while I was going, I enjoyed everything about it. Like I said before, I usually delve in more of the horror side of things with my writing. So mm -hmm. having the reality TV show and the apocalypse isn't something that I normally would have come up with. So it was really fun to read through. Very cool. Um, all right. So I, I, I enjoyed uh, talking to you guys. Um, you know, we, we've all been working very, very hard on these stories for, for, for a while now. It's very exciting that we are uh, a few weeks away from, from the Kickstarter launching. Um, how about if uh, everybody could let, people know where they could find you online because I know once this Kickstarter launches, we're all going to be doing our best to, uh, to promote it. So, um, okay, why don't you go first and let people know uh, where they can find you online? Sure. Yeah, I've got a couple. <laughs> uh, I'm starting up a self-publishing company, uh, headlessgnomes.com coming soon. And I'm also at Twitter and Facebook on at headless gnomes. And my personal writer pages is at L thoughts on Twitter at Leanne Thinks Thoughts on Instagram. And uh, I also write, a lot of my speculative fiction is on Medium at Leanne Kathleen Danielle. Awesome, I will have links to all of that in the show notes. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's let the ladies go first. Uh, Abby, um, why don't you let folks know where they, they, they can find you online? Um, I go by ColorWired on pretty, pretty much every platform. So Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, um, and my website are all color wired. Awesome. And, and, and last but not least, Joel, how about, uh, where people can find you online and make yeah. sure you mention that, uh, that Kickstarter that you got coming out. Sounds good. I am on Facebook and Instagram at metal ninja studios, as well as, um, Facebook at dust County Chronicles. And I have MetalNinjaStudios.com and the DustCountyChronicles.com will direct um, right to the Kickstarter page that launches on the 25th of February. Very cool. All right. Well, guys, I'd like to, to thank you all for, for being on. Um, I'm excited to, to see the, the stories as they uh, continue to come out. And I'm very excited uh, to see this, this project uh, come, come out. You know, we've all, there's a, there's a lot of, lot of folks, a lot of hands in this, and there's been a lot of, lot of hard work. Um, I'm going to have links to everybody's social media. I'll have a link to a preview of the the book if anybody wants to to preview it before the the kickstarter comes out and we'll be back with a, another episode very soon thank you hello and welcome to episode 95 part two of constructing comics a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time on this episode i have an interview with mary bellamy mary has the story the job part of the cthulhu is hard to spell 
Terrible Twos Anthology, coming to Kickstarter March 3rd, 2020. Mary, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Why don't you lead us off with a uh, short bio about yourself, some of the comics that you've worked on, and then we'll, we'll take a deep dive into to your story of the job. Okay, well, thanks for having me. Uh, many people might know me as a licensed illustrator. I've worked on various properties like My Little Pony, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Mars Attacks, all sorts of licensed artist trading cards. Um, I got my start in comics way back in the day with anthology comics like uh, Radio Comics Furlough, Manga File, uh, Antarctic Press's Mangazine. Um, I've been in like over 150 books. I moved over to doing some work in animation as an assistant. I've done television pitches. I've done uh, independent pitches for animation projects toy design and a whole host of other things. I've been going on about 20 years of working on my own independent work and pretty much just been a freelance artist for a long time. Very cool. It sounds like you're a bit of a uh, Swiss army knife of, of artwork. Yeah, you got to be in this in this economy. Very cool. Um, so before we talk about your uh, your story in this anthology, let's expand a little bit more on the the years before. You had said you have done work for for various publishers. Um, was that all in trading cards, or was there any that you've done sort of uh, interior pages, covers, etc.? Oh, um, I've done like a little bit of everything. So when I got started, I was a cartoonist, and there weren't a lot of opportunities for people who are cartoonists or they liked anime stuff. It was all just American superheroes. So there were these anthology books. Uh, they used to be like monthly, quarterly, annually. Like Radio Comics had a book called Manga File, which was my first, uh, one of my first uh, stories that I'd had published was Fofax, Ahek, and Project Lamb. Uh, you could get up to like anything from one page to 10 pages in an issue, and you would have that short amount of space to tell a story. So I would start out by telling little short stories about funny things that happened, but made crazier for like faux facts. Um, before though, even doing that, I used to be an inker for a book called Shanda Fantasy Arts, uh, Shanda the Panda, Katmandu. Um, I just kept expanding. More and more little anthologies became available. I moved over to like Antarctic Press that had Gold Digger and Ninja High School. Oh, wow. Um, I did one for slave labor called In Fat Chunk. Um, there's just like a whole ton of little comic book companies back in the day, and it really helped us smaller artists get our work out there. This is all before the internet where you could upload web comics and things. Okay. Um, so you had mentioned earlier that uh, you had uh, done some inking. Uh, did inking other people's art did that sort of influence uh your your any art styles or did, were you able to pick up sort of like techniques from from inking other artists um a little bit of both my artwork is more more cartoony and animation based so if you look at my story in this uh, upcoming anthology it's very cartoony and round i don't do a lot of hatching and stuff mm -hmm. um but i've always focused on having nice clean lines on other people's stuff so whatever their pencil work was i kind of followed it as closely as i could very cool. All right, so let's uh, let's transition over to to this story. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about the job? Okay, so uh, I was in the previous anthology, uh, the very first one, and I did a story called The Rally. So the general idea behind that story was that all the gods have teamed up in a pantheon because Lucifer is tired of losing to God God. 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, I want to win the, I want to win the rebellion. I want to destroy everything. And Cthulhu is kind of like, he's almost late and he gets to the meeting. He's like, Hey, I'm the darkest evil God. And I would be great for this job. And the problem is that nobody can pronounce his name. So they're like, well, you're not marketable. And so he kind of goes away defeated because I guess, you know, not having a good sales brand is terrible, you know, branding for their rebellion. So he's all bummed out. So this story, the job is basically uh, Cthulhu trying to find his place in the world after Lucifer's uh, rebellion has been successful. And I kind of wanted to play off like, what would he do? And would Lucifer actually, you know, would one dark evil entity actually help another one? That's awesome. So you were able to, um, in a way, continue continue the story, but also do it, I'm assuming maybe um, both stories can be read uh, independently. Is, is that correct? Yes. Awesome. And so um, there seems like there's a bit of humor injected into this. Um, has was that something that you were aiming for or was that something that sort of with the the humor that you had in the in the first story that you decided to to continue that here um I wanted to continue it but like basically when I write stories like if I'm a fan of something sometimes I like to poke fun at it so like Mm -hmm. if you have this ultimate evil bad what would happen if you debased the character what if that character was out out eviled by another character and how would they react to it that's what i kind of wanted to play on awesome and so you know with lovecraft and the elder gods uh you know there's a lot of story there um what was some of your thinking of sort of bringing in uh lucifer you know sort of the the fallen angel the 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 devil and and you know in other realms of storytelling well, um, Cthulhu was basically the ultimate evil that's supposed to like, you know, end things. And I thought, well, you know, Lucifer's kind of, he's evil, but he keeps losing. He's always losing by a hair, by a fraction, by a breath. And he's just tired. Like if in the first story, he's lost 665 times already. So the whole thing was like, well, maybe I can get an uber, more super evil people from every other pantheon to help me. And he's thinking that he could be that extra bit of evil. Very cool. And so you had mentioned that, uh, I believe it's in the first story, that like uh, Cthulhu is sort of not able to, 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 you know, be fully part of it because his name is so hard to pronounce and it's not marketable. Did you, uh, did, was that like sort of like a joke you came into your mind due to the, to the title of the anthology? Well, it's partly due to the title and then partly personal experience because sometimes people have a hard time saying Zori Lita. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a, a little bit of me and a little bit of the title working together. Very cool. Um, and so you act as both the writer and the artist. I'm always interested when I have sort of somebody who works in both capacities. Um, when you script being the writer, are you able to be a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, more sparse, a little bit generic, because you sort of, as you're, you know, you're, you know, maybe you're making some notes about panel descriptions, you're sort of envisioning these things um, in your mind, and you're not, you're not the writer handing this off to, to somebody separately to, 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 to do the art. Right, so for what I do, I, I work a little more organically than a writer. 
um, I'll take a paper and I'll draw out some roughs of the ideas like, oh, hey, here's, you know, Cthulhu's here and he's late for a meeting. Oh, here's the next panel where Lucifer's talking and then the people are, you know, reacting and then he's all like, hey, what about me? And so it'll be like really loose, like I'll have those ideas and then I might write some loose dialogue, but then I'll draw the whole thing and I'll go back and I'll finesse the dialogue again and again after the fact, which I know is like, kind of backwards for like a writer who would describe everything. But for mm. me, I'm more visual. So I start with the art and then kind of go backwards and work it back and forth. Yeah. But it also seems like you're getting a, uh, uh, you're getting uh, an opportunity to maybe develop the story, change some aspects of it because you're, you're working. It seems like you're working visually, then a little bit of dialogue and then you're seeing how everything's coming along. And I'm guessing maybe then you, you know, from those roughs, you do some more, you know, more detailed art and then you get that sort of last pass to say, Hey, is this dialogue working? Is it, you know, is, is it, uh, you know, where I want the story to lead? And then you're getting like that, that, that final, maybe that, like that final editing pass as, you know, somebody who's working on, on all aspects of it. Oh Yeah. Definitely. It's like, hey, can I, you know, does this work in here? Can I punch it up? Can I dial it back a little better? You're not cool. like committed, like when you're working with the writer, like this is what it is. When you're doing it yourself, you can say, oh, you know what? I don't think this works so well. Swap it out. Awesome. So what's your art style like? Are you a traditional artist, a digital artist, maybe a combination of the two? Yeah, I like to call it tradigital because I'll doodle on computer paper and I'll come up with ideas, but then I'll go into the computer and I'll digitally draw everything and digitally ink. I used to, in my original work, do everything with micron pens on paper and all that, but it just became faster and easier to work on a Wacom tablet mm -hmm. because you could always, you know, 20 different layers, you could erase stuff. Whereas if you did it with uh, microns, you're like, oh no, I've got to use whiteout and I've got to scan it. So I kind of do a hybrid of both. All my roughs are done with like uh, ballpoint pens, nothing fancy, just computer paper. So using a ballpoint pen, do you feel that that makes it a little bit more, um, more freeing? Like you don't have to be thinking that like, you know, this, this, this figure has to be, you know, uh, on scale or on model, like with it being a ballpoint pen and it not being, you know, as fine as like a micron, does that, does that free you up to be a little bit looser with those initial designs? Oh, completely. Because, you know, it, you take a photo of it or you scan it, you go on the computer, you can, you know, make the head larger, you can shrink it, you can do whatever you want. And you're not, you know, committed to anything. You can always just draw right over the top or you can throw out the whole thing. Very cool. And so, uh, I know that you work as the the artist and the writer here. Did you have any other help or are you sort of like a one-person shop for, for everything? I'm a, I'm a one-woman army for everything I do. Very cool. So you you color it and, and you letter it uh, uh, on your own, uh, you know, uh, as well. Yeah, all of my work, I do graphic novels. I've done like 15 graphic novels. I just do it all by myself. Okay. And uh, did you have any like formal training or are you, are you sort of self-taught? Oh, totally self-taught. You know, my earliest stuff, I kind of cringe at because back when I started, there weren't a ton of books about how to do comics. It was all just, and, and then Photoshop was very, very new back when I started. So like, mm -hmm. you know, one undo, no layers. So it was very much a learning curve, but it was just like years and years of practice. And that's how I kind of taught myself. 
Yeah, I think there's like a couple of sayings that like, uh, if you think about it, there's like the the Malcolm Gladwell sort of 10,000 hours and then sort of the thought that you have, like maybe you have X number of bad pages. And I'm not saying that your stuff was bad, but I'm just saying like you have like X number of pages that aren't, you know, of the highest quality that you got to like work through until you get to, until you get to that, to that point. So is that probably something? Oh, totally. I kind of get embarrassed at my stuff that I did in the 90s. You're like, oh, that's so terrible. The lettering's awful. I'm like, just ignore that that exists, guys. I'm much better at lettering now. (laughs) So what, uh, what, what programs do you use for for coloring? And what programs do you use for for lettering? I just do it all in Photoshop. I know some people are purists, but you know, the later Photoshop, you can get vector shapes and I just do it all in one thing. I work at a super high resolution. So when you shrink it down, it's, it's not even really noticeable. Mm-hmm. Whereas like back in Photoshop four, you could totally tell it was pixelated letters and stuff. So. Okay. And I do it. So do you, um, uh, so one thing I always uh, kind of ask people who, who go traditionally, when you go back to, uh, I'm sorry, to work digitally, when you go back and maybe this, you might encounter this when you're doing those ballpoint, pen sketches uh do you ever like put down a line and you know either think in your mind uh control z or or tap it to all the time yeah all the time you're like your hands like oh wait shoot this is real yeah i was a couple of days ago i was uh trying to help my uh my daughter with some drawing and you know we were sitting at the kitchen table and uh you know i was trying to teach her that she needed to you know do the basic shape because as a little kid you sit down you're like i'm gonna do this like really defined ear and I'm going to start here and I'm like no just get basic shapes and build from there and so I drew something that I didn't like and I I usually work on an iPad so I tapped it with I tapped it with two fingers and my daughter looked at me like I was uh like a crazy person and I was like oh that's just that's just out of habit so oh totally I think we all do at this point very cool um so uh I know that you you've been working in in comics for for quite some time, and you you described all of the different uh, things that you've worked on. Do you have anything um, that's that's coming out uh, after this this anthology kicks off? Uh, yeah, uh, I do San Diego Comic Con every year. This will be my twelfth year, and I'll be coming out with volume ten of my kid series, Faux Facts: The Truth Can Be Strange. Uh, it's the second to last volume before the big. Um, conclusion of this arc um i'm also working on enamel pins and things like that that promote my ahex series and i don't know if you've heard of it it's basically about a girl who winds up in the underworld trying to escape from evil bunnies and killer teddy bears because god turned the underworld into a reform program only angel didn't get the memo so it kind of all goes crazy that sounds awesome. Uh, so maybe a, a San Diego Comic Con question. Um, did you you said this was? Did you say this was your twelfth year? As an exhibitor, yes. As an exhibitor, what changes have you seen um, over the twelve years? Well, I've been going for about twenty years. Okay. And it definitely shifted from comic books to media. Like um, I'm in the small press section, and every year they open the doors, and everybody runs down to Warner Brothers. You're like, please come back, come back to the comic book section. <laughs> and um, when I started going, the comic con- the the convention was half the size it is now. It, it ended at Hall D. Okay. And now it's like all the way to Hall H. 
and it's just become a very different thing like it used to be that sci-fi and all those things were inside the convention center now it's kind of bled outside so there's like like stuff everywhere outside so it's been changing um a lot of longtime exhibitors are leaving because sales were kind of iffy but you know you just got to keep persevering do you see it as a uh somebody working in comics do you see it as a good uh sort of networking opportunity do you get chances to i know that like a lot of the focus might be on you know uh, a movie trailer release but while you're there are you able to um meet with folks that you have books with or or talk with somebody that you might want to try to get a book with yeah a lot of my jobs actually came from comic-con in fact there was a guy sitting next to me who later hired me to flat his entire graphic uh, novel. Have you heard of Cleopatra in Space by Mike Myhack? I, I have heard of that, yes. Yes, I did half of like a, I think about half of volume five, no, half of volume six and a chunk of volume five for him. And we were just because we were neighbors at the Comic Con. That's awesome. That's sort of a uh, right place, right time um, opportunity that you got by by being there. Yeah, as well as all my sketch card jobs, like Cryptozoic and Upper Deck, they're all there. They come by my table, offer me jobs. So I'm like, yep, it's pretty much for me. It's not just making stuff for kids, but it's also, you know, when you're there, people will come to you or you can go to them as opposed to when you're online and you're just another anonymous email. Yeah. Um, So uh, that that made me think of another question. Being somebody that's uh, a a female that's doing stuff, you know, that, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of your stories uh, are geared towards younger audiences. Um, How do you get young kids, um, you know, with all the distractions that they have uh, in the world today, how do you get them to be excited about comics and maybe more to the point, um, how do you maybe help like a, a young girl who's who's into art who goes into to a con and there's you know there's all of these sort of things that are geared towards like males and older males how do you how do you connect with them and how do you how do you get them excited for for comics and art well first like when i'm at my table i have a pitch whenever i see a girl come by i pitch right to them because most of the time you know the parents are like i have tunnel vision there's nothing for girls here or it's the same, hey, you're a princess. Hey, you want a boyfriend? I say, hey, you want to read a story that's not about a princess? And they're like, what? And then I bring them in and I show them my stuff and I say, hey, girls can like comedy, girls can like sci-fi, girls can like light, light horror. And I really talk to them about it. I, I go to my uh, high school, I do career day. I talk and say, hey, you can do art. This isn't just a boys thing. And when I started, it was very isolated. So that's why I was also in the smaller stuff because it was like, ah, you can go over there and have that stuff. Mm-hmm. And after pitching in, in, you know, animation and a lot of resistance toward female-led properties, that's why I just decided, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, uh, try to get interest in it. Um, and just talk to as many people as I can. I just recently got into the Escondido library. They bought my whole catalog and the kids are checking it out, which is awesome. You know, you just try to be as engaged as you can because there's so many things competing in this marketplace that if you just passively sit there at a table, no one's going to ever notice you're there. Yeah. I, 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 that, that's very, uh, inspirational as a a guy who has a daughter who is showing an interest in art it's it's great um we take her 
and my son to cons and we're always we're always on the lookout for for stuff that uh will sort of foster that that sense of creativity in her so that's awesome to hear your story cool um yeah, so I, i'm sorry go ahead oh no i was just gonna say because when i was a girl it was very much comics are for boys cartoons are for boys and you'd see the the formula there's like five male characters and one female character and i just wanted to counteract that with my stuff yeah that that's that's awesome um so i have another sort of question um you had talked about uh working on trading cards i don't know if i've ever had anybody on the podcast that uh has worked on trading cards. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about what it's like? Uh, do you get to pick characters or um, are characters sort of assigned to you by an editor? Okay, so it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, you'll get an invitation to a set, like say Steven Universe, and you'll get a packet that tells you, okay, you can draw XYZ characters from this, this, and this. And they'll, they'll usually say, you know, don't draw this character because it's not released yet, or you can't draw these kind of situations. But generally speaking, unless it's a set where they print the name of a character on the card, you can draw whatever they allow you to draw. Mm -hmm. And so when I do sets, I like to do a lot of the obscure set, uh, obscure characters because, you know, everybody does Superman, everybody does Batman, everybody does that. So it's like, hey, you know, there's the white rabbit character from, um, Batman, nobody draws her, and there's Halo from Marvel, and nobody draws her. So I'd usually pick like the obscure characters, unless they specifically tell us not to. Like uh, one year, everybody and their brother wanted to draw Squirrel Girl, and they said, Stop it, stop drawing Squirrel Girl. You're forbidden from drawing Squirrel Girl, no more. So it's generally pretty cool. Um, just sometimes they're like, Yeah, we got an, an, a letter from so-and-so and and this character is now banned so please don't draw that character oh wow and so uh, another question about that is uh uh, i'm assuming that who's ever brought you into the project is familiar with your style do they let you do they let you work in your style or do they ask you to like try to be as close to sort of on character model as as possible generally speaking they hire you for your style unless they specifically say hey no chibi stuff because for a while there everybody was trying to draw chibis they're like please don't draw that anymore so but generally they're like hey if you have a cartoon style that's awesome if you have a realism style that's awesome as long as you know you can tell who the character is they're generally pretty cool with it okay great it's like, so that- it's like being paid to draw fan art so it's kind of cool yeah and it's awesome that they don't sort of uh, curtail, curtail your, your, your expression of doing, like you said, like maybe like the white rabbit from, from Batman in, in your style, um, which is, you know, they're not sort of making you work within their confines. They're, they're allowing you to maybe take, make your take on, on that character. Yeah. And it's very different than doing licensed comic book covers. Like I do my little pony, and I've done a um, doll face for Action Lab. And some of them are very hands-on. They're like, okay, um, I like your cover, but can you not have a, hi- a line on the highlight? Can you make this more on model? That's a lot more rigid because uh, the licensors are directly looking at it and they have a long time to look at it mm-hmm. versus like a lot of the sketch cards where if they don't see anything glaringly wrong, they're generally pretty easy on it. Okay. And I'm assuming being a digital artist, uh, that helps you as well. Like if you're doing that, that, uh, 
that uh, ponies cover, if they, you know, they, they want this little aspect of it, um, that allows you to maybe, you know, go down to that layer and address it, that if you were doing that still with that micron on pen, that might be a little bit more difficult. Oh, yeah, uh, that's, that's the forgiving part of covers and tradi uh, traditional stuff. It's like, well, you kind of just generally cross your fingers after you send your scans and return your cards that they don't have a problem with it because you don't get paid if they don't approve your stuff. Okay. Uh, so uh, maybe like a general freelancer question. Um, how do you uh, organize your days um, and not get distracted by, um, you know, you know, not having a, I'm guessing maybe like a traditional sort of, uh, you know, somebody going in to an office, like how do you, how do you stay on task, motivated and, 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 and working on your things? Or is that not an issue for you? For me, it's not really an issue because work keeps me, work is what keeps me focused and motivated. If I didn't have a project, that's when I start climbing the walls. So Basically, whenever a job comes in, I look at when it's due, and if it's due right away, I just kind of push other things to the side and then focus on that just to get it done and move back out. And then I go back into my own personal projects to get those done. So it takes me about two to four months to do a 50-page full-color book. Mm -hmm. So I pretty much just say, you know what, Monday to Friday, I'll just get up around seven, get it all done, be done by like five and just relax and then if I get a job in between that I'll just put it on pause I'm like okay I have to draw 26 cards for such and such set so I'll do that for a day or two and then get back to my other schedule it all just kind of depends on who needs what when like mm -hmm. right now I'm also flatting educational comics for kids so when I get those jobs they'll they'll generally say hey I need it by the end of the week and so I'll just put a priority on that get that done and then go back to my other stuff so Very I don't cool. really have an organized schedule. I just kind of like prioritize as it comes along. Makes sense. So, you know, the, the most pressing deadline is the, 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 the most high priority item, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I had a great time talking uh, comics with you, uh, you know, various aspects of art, um, you know, you know, getting girls excited, young girls excited, showing them that they, they don't have to be sort of like the, uh, you know, that, that traditional, maybe if you think about like the legend of Zelda, like it's like all yeah. it's, or, or Mario, it's all about like saving the princess and you're showing them that they don't have to be that damsel in despair. They can actually be the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the protagonist of their, of their story, which is very cool. Yes. Okay. Well, um, again, this story, the job is part of the Cthulhu is hard to spell terrible twos uh, coming to Kickstarter. March 3rd, 2020. Um, and Mary's story, again, is called The Job. Um, Mary, why don't you let folks know where they can find you online so they can keep up to date with this story and all the, all the projects you have going on in, in comics in the world of art? Okay. Well, I have a few places. Uh, my personal website is marybellamy.com. Um, I also have a web store if you want to check out any of my books. It's zorilita.com, Z-O-R-I-L-I-T-A. Uh, you can find me online at Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, at Zori Lita. Um, pretty much anywhere you see Zori Lita, you can find me.
Awesome. And I will have links to all of that stuff in the social media, as well as a link to the, the preview that you can get of the Cthulhu is Hard to Spell anthology if you want to look at some of the, uh, the pages before the Kickstarter launches. Well, Mary, I'm uh, very excited for this, story, uh, for this book. Um, it's, we've all been working very hard on it for, for quite some time, and it's pretty exciting oh. that in a few days it's going to be um, you know, even more out there in the world for, for people to take a, take a look at. Oh, me too. And if this does really well, there's a part three that I've already got written out. So I'm really excited. Oh, very cool. I, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. And we'll be back with a, another episode very soon. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to episode 95, part three of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Don Wynn and Mike Korpik. Uh, they have a story in the Cthulhu is Heart Spell, uh, part two, the Terrible Twos anthology, uh, coming to Kickstarter on March 3rd of 2020. Don and Mike have a story called Waiting for Whiteley. Uh, Don, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Why don't you start us off with a little bit about yourself uh, and uh, your role in this comic? All right. Uh, my name is Don Wynn. Uh, I'm a comic book artist. I'm the creator of Pablo the Gorilla, Jupiter the Space Pug. Uh, a writer named Andy Norville and I had uh, a number one book on the Amazon Kindle called uh, Siren Song. It was an Inktober project. And I'm uh, happy to be a part of this book, uh, which is filled with many other creators. And I'm happy to be joined with uh, Mike Corpy, uh, who's a friend of mine. And uh, we have been looking for a project to uh, sort of uh, cut our teeth on. And I think this was a fantastic opportunity for the both of us. Awesome. Mike, uh, why don't you, uh, with that uh, intro from Don, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll, we'll talk about your story in this anthology. Uh, yeah. Um, hi, my name is Mike Corpy. I'm originally from Massachusetts, but I've been living in L.A. for about 20 years now. Uh, graduated from University of Miami in Florida, studying film. And I've had several different jobs in entertainment, ranging from being an extra in movies and TV to video game testing to post-production. And currently, I work in IT at the Jim Henson Company. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Um, outside of that... Um, I write mostly screenplays and short stories, hoping to get my big break. I belong to a uh, screenwriting group called Twin Bridges out here in LA, and which that has definitely helped me out um, with my writing. So I recommend getting a screenwriting group if you can, even if it's for comics or for anything. Okay, Mike, uh, let's continue with you. Um, as the, the, the writer, um, did you have the the idea for the story, um, or was this something when you saw the anthology, um, you sort of then had to to brainstorm and and think of think of a story that fit? Uh, yeah, when it was basically um, when I saw the anthology, I had to come up with an idea, and I so I was doing a lot of research on which of uh, Lovecraft stories that I wanted to pick from, and I, I chose the Dunwich Horror which seemed to be more ground-based. Like, it, all, all of uh, Lovecraft's ideas, a lot of them are very odd and very hard to translate into, um, like, film, for example, or just visual media. And so Dunwich seemed like it was a little bit easier for me to do. Okay. And uh, um, 
Don, you uh, you came in as the 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 artist here, but you guys had worked before on uh, on a screenplay. So um, uh, we we've had a few folks who've worked in in screenplays and either have come to comics or you know things didn't quite work out. Um, with the with the project they envisioned taking to 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 the screen, and then they sort of took a step back, and you know they had that unlimited budget of of a comic. Um, so, what was the screenplay you guys worked on before this? Uh, we were working on. Um, I don't know. If we can even talk about it. It was sort of like one of those NDA projects, but it was for oh, okay. a, a video game. And uh, Mike asked if I could uh, help, just do some storyboards uh, for the project. As I believe, just sort of a part of their pitch package mm -hmm. and uh, I'm known as like you know a lot of people uh, recommend because I'm known as the guy who can do storyboards straight from his phone and just drop box them to you oh, wow. uh, so I believe that's how that came about so I was like oh I can get that done for you uh, fairly quickly and I don't know I don't believe the project went very far right Mike uh, no it didn't really go any far they they loved the idea and the um, the pitch but I think they stopped at the funding part. So, I mean, that's out of my hands. That was mm -hmm. the producer's side. Um, and we just, it's like, okay, it was, a, it was a good experience for both of us. Okay. Yeah. And Mike, uh, so uh, a lot of times when I have a, a screenwriter on, uh, one of the questions that we sort of, we go into is the, uh, in a screenplay, sort of one page equals one minute of screen time. Um, what are some of the the changes you see from uh, writing a screenplay to, to to writing a comic grip and having to think about like page turns, you know, sort of having a an element of surprise, an element of suspense in that last panel to sort of um, have us, you know, excited or or you know that thrilling moment of the the reveal on on the page turn. Yeah, that was that was something of a challenge since it was my first one uh, comic that I've done. Um, it, I feel like when we uh, when we come up with the pages, it was almost like double the the pages that I had. So if I had a ten page screenplay, it's almost like twenty page of comics, which made it a lot harder because you're you're talking about a six page comic book that you have to actually write three to four pages mm -hmm. of of a script, and getting a story done in that amount of time is or that amount of pages is pretty difficult. Um, and I, I, with Don, it made it a little bit easier because he walked me through the process a little bit. So I, I know about the, when you turn the page and you, you get an element of surprise and everything like that. But as far as what panels go, um, where and what size I had to rely on him. So I gave him more creative freedom so that mm -hmm. he wasn't tied down. And if there was something that I felt like didn't work, um, you know, I, I mentioned it to him, but from the most part, everything he did, um, I liked. So I didn't really have too many notes. Okay. And uh, so Don, um, was there any, were there any surprises? I know that uh, I, a lot of times somebody with their first exposure to, to, to writing a comic, and this is certainly my experience, um, you know, uh, too many panels on a page or, or something like that. Was there anything that uh, surprised you or anything that you sort of had to say, Hey, let's, uh, let's uh, bring this back a little bit when you got that script the first time. Um, there, there were, but you know, working with Mike was truly a collaborative process and I really enjoy working with someone uh, 
a writer who trusts their artist. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Mike gave me a lot of uh, leeway um, and precedence to do what I wanted with his script. And I felt like I did my best to stay true to uh, what he had. But because uh, we were involved and we had met up a couple times and, you know, we're, we're in constant contact via, via text, we, we could collaborate uh, more easily. And so I, you know, I started out my thumbnail process by just marking up um, the script into what I feel would be the best number of panels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were just passing notes back and forth. And then when it came to the thumbnailing process, uh, Mike just let me have it free reign just have a go at it uh to produce what i felt was best within six pages and we were also very well aware uh of the surprise element uh of the reveal uh we felt like that sort of was a toss-up because we didn't know where exactly we would land in the book Mm -hmm. uh, because ultimately that's up to editorial uh so that would be up to to chris and russell who are overseeing the book Mm -hmm. so you can only hope for the best at that point and i felt like we just want to tell the story as best as we could and Mike produced such a wonderful story where I read it and I just felt like I knew what was happening right away. And I was able just to bang out thumbnails and then send them back to him and have him review it and uh, see whether or not he liked the flow and the pacing uh, of the art. Um, And then, you know, he was able to just uh, give notes where he he felt things needed to be adjusted a little bit. And uh, we, we rolled on from there, but I think for the most part, we, we didn't have uh, Mike, you didn't really have, all that that much to say about it because I think we were more or less on the same page in terms of what we thought uh, the artwork should be and where it should go, right? Right. There was only like a couple of things here and there, but yeah, I, I know I have a a friend who's also trying to get into comics, and he is a lot more strict on what he wants on each and every panel. I think he has more of a director's vision where um, I'm just I'm like you know I whatever works best for it. And if there's something that is blatantly wrong, then I'll, I'll mention it, but mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm thrilled with what, what we came up with or what Don came up with actually. So listening to that, uh, that explanation that uh, Don was giving us, uh, was it more of like a, like a Marvel style where, um, where Mike sort of had a, like a, a more open script and Don was able to then, you know, go, okay, this, this chunk of it is probably a page. And with that page, like I can, I can do that in about five panels or, or, or Mike, were you like panel one, page one, like a, like a full script or uh, how did that work? I've, I I had looked at um, various uh, scripts for comics, even including at the Jim Henson company, I was mentioning to one of the artists there and he, he gave me some samples of, um, of, uh, I think it was one of the dark crystal comics. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went from there and I, I, I did, I did page then panel, 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 panel of, of what the size may be. But, you know, I, I I don't want to limit Don with saying like, well, this has to be, um, a thin, tall panel and with these eyes right there, because, because maybe that really won't work for what he is coming up with. So I, I, I think of like in a general sense of, of what each um, page should look like. And if he has something with a better uh, vision, then I'm all for it. Just like giving for, for uh, movies. If, uh, if I gave my script to a director, 
I'd be like, okay, here you go. Let's see what you can do with it. And uh, Don, I think I, I would have to think that that makes you um, having a little bit more of that freedom makes it a little bit more um, exciting to you not to sort of be, uh, you know, so like a, a, a slave to the, to the panel count. It, it gives you a little bit more freedom to, to design and, and, and think things through. Uh, definitely. Um, I think anytime you're an artist, you, you want to have that conversation because, um, you know, it's part of the trust of that relationship. Uh, you want to best represent what the writer is trying to accomplish, but you also want to make sure that, you know, things work uh, in a logical manner because, you know, we're dealing with sequential art. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always the most important thing in comics is to make sure if there were no words, would I still be able to figure out what's going on? Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel like that's that's always the primary objective of any uh, comic artist. You don't want to to lose lose track of the story visually. And uh, and working with Mike, his his writing, I mean, it is just so imaginative, and I feel like I see it on the page as I'm reading it. So it really it really facilitated the artwork, um, and I just went with it. I think we only did maybe maybe one kind of one and a half rewrites. So I went through after thumbing it out. Um, and then I went into um, my, my rough thumbnails to do the layouts. And then Mike took a pass from that and tightened up his script a little bit to fit the imagery. And then from there, I think that was pretty much it. I think we finished with maybe some minor notes after that. Yeah. Very I th cool. I think that um, one of the tricks that for screenwriters is in the action um, prose or whatever you want to call it, you, you write it in a certain way so that the director or artist will have that vision going in and you don't really have to do much after that. If, if you just write general, like he walks over to the bar or something, that's not as exciting as, you know, he's, he slumps over to the bar. So then you can, the artist or director will, will use that. So it, you do have, you can have, instead of having uh, a, a shot list or a panel list, you can have it set up as description and it, and the artist or director will get that. Very that cool. makes sense. No, it does. Um, Mike, so I know that uh, you saw, you know, basic thumbnails and then rough thumbnails, but how exciting was it to see the, the, the maybe like the first page of like final inks to see what, what Don had um, taken from your story and, and turned it into art? How, how exciting was that for you? Oh, I loved it. It, it was, it's, it, you know, I, I've written for many years now and you know, I've, I've handed it to contests and a lot, sometimes I do well, sometimes I don't. And, but you know, you just get notes back or maybe you'll get a little, you know, a, a award, but when you actually see something turn from the, the print to a physical medium, it, it's, it was an exciting experience. And I'm, I'm glad Don is, is that artist cause I've known him for what, like over 12 years now, probably. I think so. We, we've yeah. known each other a while, but we've never, had the opportunity to just sit down and work. And I think we're making it a point this year to get a lot of work uh, out there uh, and get you know a lot of Mike's writing seen. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to go on top of what Mike had to say, I mean, he wrote it in such a way, like I was saying, I could just visualize 
the scenes immediately in my head. And it, the way he wrote just spoke so much to the body language, I feel, of the characters as well as their facial expressions too. So I really, I really was able to think about that as I was uh, going along. So, Don, sticking with you, um, earlier you had mentioned that you kind of had been known as the guy who could do, uh, you know, uh, uh, storyboards on their phone really quick um, and then and do a drop and, and get them into a Dropbox. So does that mean that you're mostly a, a digital artist? Yes, uh, just to save money. I, I used to work on paper. Uh, but that got expensive because uh, as an artist, and many artists out there, I'm sure, have this experience. Bristol board, uh, Bristol, uh, Strathmore Bristol is not cheap. Mm -hmm. So I switched to working primarily uh, digital. I do, if you ever find me at a convention, I'll bang out a commission. No problem. I do a lot of commissions uh, on backing boards. And I love working on paper. But again, it's, it's an expense issue. Uh, but I've had the privilege and the pleasure of being able to do storyboards for people straight from my phone. Uh, I worked on a Kickstarter project for a film uh, that way. I've done, um, there, a friend of mine did a movie called Love in the Time of Monsters, which is this uh, campy B-movie style film that featured Doug Jones, better known as Abe Sapien, mm -hmm. and the creature uh, from uh, Shape of Water, as well as uh, Keen Hodder, I guess was the last few Jasons in the uh, Friday the 13th movies. Um, I, I did concept art for him uh, from my phone. And um, I have a short film that premiered last year that's currently, they're doing a live action sizzle reel right now. And they're pushing to a comic. And that, again, started off on my phone. And nowadays, that's actually how I uh, start my process. A lot of my thumbnailing, uh, concept work, all that just starts on my phone. And then I up-res it later to my Surface or to my desktop to do uh, the, the print resolution uh, work. Okay. Um, I guess maybe a, a technical question there. Um, what, uh, do, you, do you have a phone with, with a stylus or do you, are you, uh, you know, doing those really rough with, you know, you know touch, touch screens with, uh, with a finger? Oh, no, no. Yeah, I have a phone with a stylus. I, I've always used a Galaxy Note since the Note 2. So I've had a Galaxy Note 2, Note 4, and I'm on a Note 9. Um, and I used to run, and I still run, uh, but it's no, no longer a daily sketch blog. Now it's just a sketch blog whenever I have the chance to get onto it, uh, where I just post uh, images from my phone, uh, anywhere from uh, roughs all the way up to finished uh, pinups uh, straight from my phone. Awesome. And that's got to be a pretty amazing feeling to, to have a, a mobile sort of art studio sitting there in your pocket whenever inspiration hits to, uh, to, to pull it out and, 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 and make some art there. It, it definitely has been a real game changer for me. Obviously I'm doing uh, work and getting paid for it uh, to do it from my phone. And uh, I, I really do appreciate that fact. And uh, you know, along with everybody who's recommended me um, and supported me through the years. Um, and also just in terms of being an artist, it's really helped me to, uh, you know, to, to learn more and push my craft, being able to work constantly just from my phone. So, you know, sometimes to my wife's annoyance, I'm just constantly working. Um, so one more art question. Um, when you do do the commissions, uh, uh, this is a question I, I kind of have for folks who, who work uh, in both, uh, you know, traditional medium and a digital medium. Do you ever find yourself uh, with a pen and paper 
either tapping it or thinking in your head control Z if you put down a line that that you don't like when you're you're working with uh, you know a pen and paper I know you said you do uh, commissions on backing boards uh, yeah Ashley funny enough you should bring that up when I do commissions now I work uh, with tone uh, so I work straight marker and inking I don't even go to pencil anymore um, I made it a point when I started back onto the process of uh, wanting to become a comic book artist that I would um, I would keep my mistakes and learn from them. So my sketches, I started sketching in just ballpoint pen and rollerball pen. And, uh, you know, the same goes with my phone. I try not to uh, go back from it. If I make a mistake, I keep it, and then I just move on, and I try to learn from, uh, from my mistake. Because I think the best thing about artwork and as artists you know you constantly there's like that uh there's just that doubt sometimes that is in the back of your head questioning what you're doing and i think a really good exercise is just to put it on paper and go with it and see where it takes you because sometimes the best the best stuff is born out of mistakes mm -hmm. um so yeah when i do commissions if you find me uh you know i'll be at WonderCon in april for example come by get a commission and I start out with a Copic Zero, a uh, Copic One, or maybe another type of marker, and I'll work all the way up just in uh, just in tone, and then I'll ink over that. Very cool. And starting that way, does that sort of? And I know from what you said that, like you, you know, you you don't uh, you're not you're not too precious, and you know you, you learn from your mistake. Maybe if a line goes down that you don't like, you might you know, you might noodle, work it, you do something different with it. Do you find that freeing to sort of, you know, get your hand moving and just sort of see what comes from it? Yes. I, you know, it's all about getting started sometimes. It just, uh, you know, having, having it come to you. And it might not at first, but sometimes the more lines you lay down, you know, it'll start to bring you closer to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. And that's why I work in tone. So you start out with the lightest tone, and you just work up and build on it. And um, I learned that from Matt Brundage, an artist up in Portland, uh, who I sat in on his panel at Rose City Comic Con. He was a fantastic artist. He basically does what uh, he calls marker paintings with Copics. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that if you just start out with a, a zero or two and you just build on it, it becomes the next level uh, of that shade. So basically you're just building on top of the color and adding to, to the shade. And uh, learning that really was a freeing experience. Um, and so, yeah, save on pencils, save on erasing, just go straight to marker and see where it goes from there. Awesome. Uh, and Mike, uh, a little bit about you. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're working in, you know, writing. Um, you've worked in in various mediums. Um, did you did you go for to, to school for writing or was it something that you always sort of had a passion and you were you know doing it uh, in your free time uh, I went to school for for film directing and okay. um, also I did some acting back then too for it was my minor um, to learn more about actors for my for directing but I didn't like directing that much um, I don't know if it just I I wasn't maybe I wasn't good at good at it or something, but um, I started writing back then, and I just I kept writing over and over again throughout the years, and it just I I seemed to just enjoy it more because you could just do it quietly at home, and you don't have to worry about um, 
de- I mean, I guess you do have to worry about deadlines if you ever get like a main project, but I, I, there's not as much stress, I think. Okay. Uh, that, but let's see. The, uh, when I started getting better at it, when I took this uh, writing group, I, I first I realized that I wasn't that good at first. And then I, I, they, they taught me how, um, like all the things that you don't need to write in a screenplay, like most of it is just, um, you know, extra dialogue that you don't need. You want to get in and out of a scene as quickly as possible. And eventually I started getting, I, it took me about a year in that class when I actually got it. And I started just, doing them a lot faster and I can now I, I it, it doesn't take me as long as I used to it used to take me like a year or longer just to get one full screenplay done and now I can pretty much get a full draft done in, in like a couple of months and I've, I've written shorts in just a couple of days and people are just really impressed by that so that's why I think with the with comics, I can probably write these shorts really quickly so that hopefully we can get something um, done faster. Uh, what else what I'm trying to say, but. <laughs> no, no. Uh, uh, so uh, I know that uh, earlier in the interview, you guys talked a little bit about uh, the the story that you have in this anthology. And I know that, uh, Mike, you had, you had said that you had, uh, you know, you had picked it for sort of the, the ground street level sort of, uh, you know, story elements, but could you, with not going into spoilers, cause we certainly want people to, you know, read the, read the story, but could you tell us a little bit more about uh, the story that's in this anthology? Uh, sure. Um, well, it's, again, it's waiting for Waitley. Uh, it takes place in current time uh, about a, hundred years after Lovecraft's story, which was the Dunwich Horror. Okay. And it's about a, a man, he's like an arrogant man. He's in search for the Necronomicon, which is a book that most people probably have heard of that opens a gateway to summon the old ones, the, uh, the old gods um, that uh, Lovecraft came up with. And uh, his search goes to a tavern and he, there he meets, uh, or he just, talks to a bartender and asks about a book because I guess that's where the book might be. And she becomes a little bit suspicious of this guy's intentions and um, without giving too, it's a short, so I can't really give out too much, but she, uh, she gives him what instead of what he wants, he gives him what he deserves basically. Very cool. I, 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 I like that premise. Uh, that makes me uh, even more excited to, to hear the story. So you guys have been friends for, for 12 years. Um, and this is the first project that you've comics project that you've been able to, to work on. Sounds like it went so well. Uh, is there is there plans for, for, for more stuff as you got with you guys as a team? Yes, actually, uh, there, there are two two, possibly two more projects coming down the pipeline. I'm working on one right now, and then we're uh, waiting to hear back about a proposal for a third, and then we're hoping to collect uh, some, or hoping to do a few more of Mike's stories and collect it into an anthology for him. So keep a lookout for that. Awesome, and Don, would you draw every every story in that anthology? Uh, I'm gonna fight to do it, yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> we'll see. 
Awesome. Well, uh, I'm excited for your your guys' story in this book, and I'm excited for this book. We've all been working on it uh, very hard for probably uh, close to to a year, maybe maybe a little bit longer in in some cases. Um, and it's you know it's we're, we're we're just days away from from the Kickstarter launching. Um, why don't let's let's start with uh, Don. Why don't you let people know where they can find you online so they can see some of your projects and uh, keep up to date with uh, what you got going on? Of course, uh, I'm known as Winning It uh, online. That's N G U Y E N I N G I T. So that's my last name plus I N G I T. You can find me there on Instagram, Twitter. You can also find me at winningit.com. Uh, my comic, which uh, kickstarted successfully last year, uh, is Pablo the Gorilla. You can find that at pablothegorilla.com. And it'll also lead you to all my other social media uh, accounts. And uh, you'll also be able to find me at uh, WonderCon in April from the 4th or April 10th through the 12th. At uh, Artist Alley, Table B50, I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con at HH03, uh, Heroes Con in North Carolina, Rose City in Portland, Baltimore, and Fan X Salt Lake City. Very cool. I will be at both Heroes and Baltimore, so we'll have to, I'll have to make sure I, I swing by your table at uh, those cons. All right, great. I'm so yeah. glad I won't be alone uh, by myself <laughs> in a strange place. Awesome. And uh, Mike, how about you? Could you let people know where they could find you online? Uh, Sure. Well, I'm a writer, so I mainly just use Twitter to write random dumb comments. Um, (laughs) I try not to get too political, but sometimes I can't help it. Uh, This is at at Mike Corpy, M-I-K-E-K-O-R-P-I. I I also have a website of the same, MikeCorpy.com, which I should probably update at some point. Uh, I don't really use Facebook because I don't like Facebook, but Don's been trying to get me on there more often. Um, Mm -hmm. But that is Corpy Mike. Uh, But if you can find Don, you can find me and I'll see if I can get more uh, updated with that and maybe Instagram, but probably not TikTok. Sorry, everyone who uses TikTok. Oh yeah. I, Um, uh, I I haven't ventured into the TikTok world either. It just seems like it's uh people dancing so i'm not i'm not too sure about that one <laughs> yeah well maybe then i will use tiktok and i'll do some dancing and writing at the same time awesome awesome well guys i i i really uh, appreciated talking to you uh and uh, like i like i said i'm excited to to see your story uh in this anthology um so uh thanks again for being on um it was great uh talking to both a writer and artist and it was nice to hear how how smoothly everything went thank you very much thank you you very much for uh having us on we appreciate that and we're looking forward to this project as well uh it's it's really exciting all the stories i feel like they're just universal anybody can enjoy them even if you have no knowledge of uh, lovecraft uh, or cthulhu Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just really great writing really amazing artwork i mean the artwork is insane in this book yeah yeah uh, there's a lot of talent no, I agree with you. The, the the art that I've seen coming coming through is 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 really breathtaking and uh, amazing. Yeah, it was e- I, even better than the the original book. I, I was I was pretty blown away. I was a little I was a little scared, like because you know we have a lot of. Uh, I mean, if you really want to call it 
opponents or what do you want to call it, Don? Uh, uh, our colleagues? <laughs> yeah, our <laughs> colleagues. There you go. Yeah. There's a lot of good work on there. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys. Uh, and if anybody who uh, is, is listening to this podcast that would like to give us a rating or review on whatever podcasting service you use, we'd really appreciate it. If anybody would like to follow the podcast, we are on Twitter at ConstructedComPod. We're on Instagram at ConstructedComicsPod, Facebook and YouTube ConstructedComics. And we'll be back with a, another episode very soon. Thank you.